Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to another special Dove podcast. We need to think of a name for this. Obviously, if you if you listened last week, I, you hear that I spoke to Aaron Digby about Juventus, Nima Tavalei of Sempre Inter about Inter, obviously, and Ogo Silla, ex Gazetta World, about AC Milan. And this week, uh, I'm happy to introduce that I'm going to be talking to Mr. Paolo Bandini, Italian football journalist and expert, about the the recent Champions League and Europa League draws, plus a little bit of VAR as well um, obviously if you want to get in touch with Forza Time Football you can it's uh, on Twitter at Serie FFC or you just search Forza Time Football on Facebook and before we get into it uh, we do have a Patreon page where if you can donate anything you can it helps us uh, make these podcasts and our YouTube videos and obviously the articles and stuff like that as well for your listening viewing and reading pleasure so, enough of my rambling. Without further ado, uh, here is Mr. Paolo Bandini. Hi, Paolo. Welcome to the show. Good to be on. Obviously, we're, we're not going to talk about Serie A too much in this episode of Dove Extra. I've not got a name for it, so people, if you're listening, <laughs> think of a name for this because it needs one. But we'll talk about the, the, the draws for the Champions League and the Europa League and maybe a bit about VAR from last weekend, if we've got time for that. So, let's start with a big one. Looking at the, the groups... Probably the most difficult group from an Italian point of view is Roma's, where they've got Chelsea and Atletico Madrid, and obviously Carabag, which are the big boys in that group. Francesco Totti said that although it's a tough group for Roma, it's also going to be as tough for Chelsea and Atletico. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to share uh, Totti's uh, confidence on that. I mean, it's a tough group for sure, and you know, even Carabag, uh, who, yeah, rightly they're going to be not uh, the the big dogs in that group, but they they beat Copenhagen to get through. And uh, Copenhagen, for all uh, um, that was thrown at them last season, they only actually lost uh, one of their six group games. Um, so they're not, you know, they're not nobody. Um, Carabag are the sort of team who clearly are outmatched in that group, but might just 
get a result somewhere to throw a cat amongst the pigeons. So the draw is about as bad as it could be from from Roma's point of view. I think it's hard to it's hard to say what their potential is without knowing how the last few days of this transfer window go. Because I still feel like, and I think to be fair, Totti pretty much said as much during interviews either side of the draw. Their transfer window is is not complete at the moment, and maybe they're just going to get to the end of it and they they won't have completed it. But it feels like we have been waiting for them to make at least one big signing, probably to support the attack. Uh, we, you know, we know some of the names that have been linked there, like Mares, and in the last few days, Patrick Schick. But they sold two really big players this summer. They sold Mohamed Salah and Antonio Rudiger, both of whom were fundamental to their side last year. Um, Salah in particular, the number of assists he provided, but but more than that, just what he did for the team in terms of the way they play. There is no one, I mean, it's very few players of comparable pace and ability to dribble the ball at pace anywhere in Europe. So it's not a surprise they haven't got someone in the squad who can come in and do exactly the same thing. But I think when you look at that team, it's hard to shake the sense that it is weaker than it was last season. So unless something is done in the last few days, of the transfer window, it, it's it's a big ask for that for them then to go into a group that has got two very, very strong teams in it. The champions of England and an Atletico Madrid team who are used to being in the last stage of this tournament. Well, exactly. The, the, the strange thing about talking about transfers and obviously Roma kind of almost kind of remodelling their entire team, Atletico haven't been able to do that because of their transfer ban. And obviously if, if Roma can say in the, in the next few or the next week or in a bit get a couple of big-name players in, then do you think that could maybe kind of take them ahead of Atletico if you if you want. I do understand where you're coming from. Personally, uh, I look at that group and uh, I see Atletico as, as the clear favourites in it. Above Chelsea, above, you know, again, above the Champions of England. Because, again, we're not talking about just a team that's done well in the Liga and, and has given us some reasons to believe in something. We're talking about a team that in its last four Champions League runs has been to two finals, a semi-final and a quarter-final. I mean, that is not a... That is not a team with any lack of confidence as it stands in getting out of the group stages. That is a team that is already uh, going into this competition like every year, expecting to be in the last eight and expecting to be among the teams who can win the whole competition. So they would be better off if they could do some business right now, for sure. There are clearly still bits that they would like to add. And I think we're all sort of fascinated by the ongoing idea of, of Diego Costa returning there at some point. But as long as Simeone is in charge, as long as Antoine Griezmann is fit, as long as uh, you have that defense founded on guys like Stefan Savic. I just don't see this as a team that, that I have anything to worry about. I think they're a very good team. So there you go, Roma. You've got something to worry about because Atletico, regardless of their inactivity, are still going to beat you. Maybe. Who knows? Don't quote, <laughs> don't quote me on that. Uh, right, looking at the other two, the Italian teams then, um, I'm going to go Napoli first because when, the, the, when, this, when this was kind of drawn... Obviously, people are pointing to Manchester City as the team which kind of will go head-to-head with Napoli to win that group. But I think Shakhtar and Feyenoord are much trickier than a lot of people would su- would suggest. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose you can you can frame it in different ways. Uh, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that Shakhtar were probably one of the uh, more appealing draws from that first pot, and that's a factor of the way that the draw is set up now. You'd sooner be lining up against them. Well, I suppose it depends on whether or not you're more interested in the uh, glamour of the occasion or, or your chance of winning, but you'd fancy your chance of beating them much more than you would, say, Real Madrid, who have won this competition twice in a row. <laughs> but they're not a bad team, and, 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 and if people are looking at this group and going, oh, all right, well, Man City and Napoli are going through, then yes, I think they certainly could be, they could be in for a shock. I mean, they've got one or two players who, who 
people certainly should know about. And someone like Tayson, who would unquestionably be playing at a very big club in Europe if it wasn't for the fact that he's well paid and, and quite comfortable with his life out there, would be playing at one of these clubs that we think of as the the, the grander one. They've got more than enough, uh, again, experience this competition to to be capable of mixing it with anyone. And Feyenoord, I suppose, on uh, conversely, you would have looked at them at the beginning and said, fine, all the teams in, in pop four, because of how seeding works, should be the weaker teams in the competition. So they are a bit behind teams like Man City and, and Napoli, but they are one of the tougher, toughest teams, I would have said, that can come out of that, that fourth pot. It's a tough group from top to bottom. Having said that, I just think that if Napoli play the way that they uh, are capable of, the way that they have at the beginning of this campaign, I think they're really, really good. I think they're. I think they are. I think they are capable of mixing it with anybody at the moment. Well, how, how excited would you be about? How excited would you be about a Pep versus Sari or oh, head-to-head? So I'm so excited about it. I think yeah, there's an inevitable sort of flashback to last year and the two legs against Monaco with Man City, which were. I'm not going to say they were the you know, the best technical football you saw a year, but they were two of the most entertaining games. I saw all year because the sort of recklessness on both sides and especially really from City going into that second leg having managed to turn it around and get themselves back on top to, to continue sticking to their guns and, and refuse to back away from that sort of match said a lot about them and I, I don't know maybe maybe we'll see a slightly more circumspect Pep this year because he'll have realised that his Man City squad is not Barcelona on the other hand he has added more and more elements that lend themselves to play in that way guys like Kyle Walker are going to give him the width that he didn't have last year and allow him to get down the flank I don't yet see a reason to expect him to suddenly retreat. And Maurizio Sarri, for for better or for worse, uh, has arrived at Napoli as a coach reputed for his defensive, at his (laughs) both out of defensive players, and has done the opposite. At this point, it's hard to imagine him. Maybe, maybe with with time, he'll he'll decide that he needs more variety, more options to his team. But fundamentally, Napoli play a very consistent four three three at the moment, and you know what it's going to look like, and you know how it's going to play. And it, the, the challenge is just stopping it. And I would say that even against Real Madrid in last year's tournament, uh, I know that they ultimately got beat 6-2 on aggregate I think if you watched in particular the second leg in Naples it was not a reflection on, on how the game went Napoli really did get after Real Madrid and, 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 and test them for a long time in that game and I think that there's no reason for me to believe right now that Sadi will back away from that challenge I think we'll see uh, his team go and do what they do best, which is try and fly forward. No, exactly. Uh, if people haven't seen, there's a great meme kicking around, and it's Super Sari Brothers, where they basically put uh. Napoli highlights to the background of Super Mario Brothers music and have the little coin collection thing every time they make a pass, and it's just like minutes and minutes of Napoli just playing this great football. It's wonderful. I mean, I, I suppose the one thing with Napoli is, um, you know, we saw Milik uh, starting at the weekend, and uh, last year we kind of lost him after the beginning. He just was gone, and I think the early in indication certainly from you know that first game against Verona is, is that he's still he's having to adapt to the new system he's having to adapt to the pace of the game but I think at least he gives you the option of if you are trying to play a slower game and hold the ball up he has the strength he has the capacity to do that so maybe we see a plan B evolve at some point during this season but at the moment yeah I expect uh, I expect to still see the uh, the three smurfs that, <laughs> of uh, Insigne, Mertens and Callahan leading the way and doing what they do. Well, there you go, right? It's, it's a team that doesn't have Smurfs, well, but it depends if you would call Dybala one or not, um, is Juve, and they're playing Barcelona, Olympiacos, and Sporting. That 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 looks that that's again a straightforward one, I think. Juve and Barcelona essentially fighting for top spot in that, and with all the the turmoil going on in Catalonia that, that looks like that group's essentially UVs for the taking yeah well I mean again final days of the transfer window we'll see what Barcelona do and don't engineer in this sort of you, you need to find Dembele first nobody knows where he is 
um, yeah, as, yeah, I mean, that's fair. It's, it's not been a good summer for Barcelona so far, and it's not looking great. I was going to say, but there's no but here. It's not long at all until the first game between these two teams. The first game is as soon as the, the 12th of September, so they haven't got a lot of time to fix. Obviously, the window will be shut at that point, but between an international break and uh, getting someone in and uh, getting them trained up, it'll be a, a rash job. It's fallen pretty well for Juventus, who, let's not forget, beat a better Barcelona last year pretty comprehensively I think that was sort of lost in Juventus losing in the in the final to Real Madrid they became the sense of oh Juventus weren't as close as we thought they were well maybe it's just that Real Madrid were that much better than everyone else last year because they did make short work of Barcelona essentially on paper looks like a, a, a very sort of obvious group in terms of what's going to happen although it did strike me that it's only a couple of years ago it was Olympiacos with a team almost against whom Allegri turned the ship around if, if you remember it was 2014 and in that group they'd already lost the away leg to Olympiacos Juventus and then they were two down at home against them uh, and managed to turn things around despite Vidal missing a penalty. That was the infamous few tweet from Allegri and <laughs> it, it almost felt like this is the team you know, against whom everything shifted. So who knows, maybe Olympiacos will, uh, will, will be a turning point again in a different sense. Poetry, Paolo, that is poetry. <laughs> But uh, yeah, on paper, this is, this is a, t- a two-team group. And I would say that as of today, uh, and this is despite Juventus having their own difficulties some, but as of today, I think that Juventus are the team I would favour to get through that in first place. And just looking quickly as a whole then, um, obviously you mentioned Real Madrid and, uh, and how dominant they've, they've kind of been in Europe over the past year. Things that every single time there's a trophy to win, Zidane just decides he's going to win it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who, do you, who, do, like, who would you say are favourites? for the competition maybe apart from Real Madrid because I think they are a class above every other team in Europe right now yeah I, I, I agree I think that um, it's crazy the year you know not long ago no team had won this competition Hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
mentioned twice in a row, and now we're already looking at Real Madrid and thinking, who's going to stop them from making it three in a row? Uh, they are the favourites. I think that much as the there's a lack of romance to it, you can't not be at least intrigued, not necessarily excited, but intrigued by what's happening in Paris and what could happen. I mean, if this team is starting, Neymar, Cavani and Mbappe... Uh, and, and Di Maria <laughs> in its forward line, it sounds pretty irresistible, you know? Like, you put all those players on a pitch and, you know, not like they've got nobody behind them either. Marco Verratti in midfield and some questions at the back, I would say, but certainly so much attacking potential that who knows? Maybe maybe things will come together there, although it does feel late in the year. Bayern Munich are always going to be in that conversation. I'm really fascinated to see how the English clubs are going to do this year. It feels like the English clubs are overdue some sort of revival. Tottenham have found themselves in a very tough spot in Group H just in terms of getting out of the group. Man City early signs positive that Pep has taken another step forward so are we going to see them ready to compete Liverpool have a very manageable group and, and I expect them to get through that and maybe by that point have adapted even more than they already seem to be doing and they do seem to be adapting more to, to Jurgen Klopp's philosophy of the game probably still a little bit too too ropey at the back for me to go all the way but you know again in the conversation and, and Manchester United the way they've started the season has been two games that it's hard to draw huge conclusions from because neither of their opponents were up to much but Romelu Lukaku certainly looks like he's added something Matic looks like he's added something and another sort of year of Jose getting to grips with it. They're in the conversation. So I think I think we're going to see at least one English club in the quarterfinals this year and possibly beyond. And so I would put them in the conversation. Now, moving on to the Europa, the Europa League, because there's English and Italian opposition or teams facing off in this as well, because the mighty Atalanta, Bergamasco Calcio, are playing Everton, Lyon and Apollon Libasol. Now, I don't know anything about the Cypriot team, and I, you might know a bit more than me, but uh, uh, we can kind of skip over them. Not much, I'm afraid, no. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll find a Cypriot expert from somewhere, I'm sure. Leon and Everton, uh, that, that's going to be tough for Atalanta, especially given the amount of players that they've lost this summer. Uh, Everton have spent all the money, and Leon are the uh, hosting the final this year, so they'll obviously be wanting to get there to kind of have a, a trophy at home and stuff like that. So, I mean, What's your thoughts on Atalanta? Could they surprise everyone in that group or is it going to be as expected and they'll get knocked out at the hands of the other two? It's definitely a tougher group than they were hoping for. There were definitely draws that would have given them a better chance. Everton, I guess, they showed a little bit of their European naivety in the second leg against the Hedrick split, I thought a team that was sort of markedly and demonstrably better than their opposition, and yet they still managed to fall a goal behind, gave up a penalty, required a, a really quite extraordinary goal from Sigurdsson to, to make themselves comfortable. But having said that, again, I think Sigurdsson's a really nice signing. I'm a huge fan. Um, I think he's uh, someone who adds legs, but also real sort of danger from set-piece situations. I think he's created substantially more chances in, in the Premier League than anyone else from set-pieces in the last uh, three years and so you put that on a better team than he's been playing on and given the opportunity I think I think Everton are a team moving in a good direction so we'll see how they split their attention and how much they, they put into this competition but given the chance to get into the Champions League I think they'll take it pretty seriously Leon, as you say have an extra motivation from the fact that the uh, final is being played at home and they were pretty close already last year no more Lacazette but Nabil Fakir has certainly started the season looking pretty sharp so very good team Atalanta I don't think it's impossible they get through this group, even having said all of that. Uh, if they can match the levels or even come close to the levels they played at last year, then I would give them every chance. That is a big ask, though, when you have said goodbye in the space of less than the last 12 months to 
Roberto Gagliardini in midfield, Frank Kessier in midfield, both, well, actually it's it's no longer looking like Spinazzola is going to go, um, so they might get to hang on to one of those two wingbacks, which I think would be huge, because Conti going was already enough of a blow, and I think that the way the team likes to play with width, having Spinazzola hanging around for another year before he ends his loan and goes back to Juventus would be a really significant boost for them. But I think the thing which you have to bear in mind with this team is, first of all, in, in terms of absolute quality, they have still got some players who are really... I mean, Papu Gomez is just a really fun player who's really come into his own after being given that role behind the attack, and I think he's capable of troubling anyone. Andrea Petagna, I'm, I'm, my jury's still out on him, but he certainly, you know, had a look with the Italian national team and and is 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 someone who people are interested in as a young physical Italian forward. Ultimately, the the, the key thing for Atalanta is 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 none of those players, but the guy on the bench, Giampiero Gasperini, is really been a very good manager for a, a, a long time and not always got the respect for it because of one disastrous tinted inter where he was brought in and under calamitous circumstances and never given a chance to prove his point um at the time when he joined they basically the, the press immediately trashed him for the simple idea of thinking that a three-man defense could work a team like inter and you look a few years later it's the, it's the zeitgeist everyone's playing with three-man defense i think you talk about the number of managers Mourinho was one of the managers who you've heard say that he's the, the toughest manager they've had to coach against the one who's always got a counter move for you. I think he's a really excellent tactician. So maybe maybe he can elevate them to the point where they get through that group. But on paper, it's a, it's a tough one for them. I'm just looking forward to everybody in England getting to see the Papu dance. <laughs> I've tried to spread it as far as I can. I mean, it was in the Bandinis last season. It was in the call-up a few times. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. So we can only hope. Yeah, I'm sure if he scores, he'll definitely get that out. Um, right, so uh, a, a team that has actually has yet to win the, the UEFA Cup slash Europa League is AC Milan, and they were pitted against AK Athens, Austria Vienna, and, and Rijeka, a Croatian team. So that was pretty straightforward. I, th- I think for me, the only question mark is how serious... Milan take the competition, given that they're pretty much going all out in Serie A to, to, to get a Champions League spot, and this could maybe be a distraction. It's definitely a positive-looking group. I mean, there are teams in there that I can't I can't speak in detail to Rijeka or, or even AK Athens. These aren't teams that I'm, I'm getting to watch a lot, but I do think that Milan have spent so much this summer, and they've added so much depth that they should be capable of competing on several fronts, and certainly of getting through this group without having to commit all of their resources to it. You think they've just added Kalinic to the attack and we already already have seen in this competition Kutrone, who, who knows, does he end up being the third-choice striker now, who's more than capable of scoring goals in this competition. So I would hope that they can manage their resources well enough to... Uh, certainly get through this group and then once you're through the group we, we start to see because the, the field gets thin and you get a slightly higher calibre of competition you see you see whether they're willing to commit the resources to it and how things are going in the league but the group has fallen in such a way that I think they should be getting through into the knockout round really without having to overcommit to it and finally Lazio they're again with the teams that I know nothing about apart from Nice they're with obviously Nice and Zulte from Belgium and Vitesse from Holland Nice is obviously the team me and you're probably know most about given they've just played two legs against Napoli they've bought Wesley Snyder they've got Mario Balotelli and they're probably going to be Lazio's main competition in that group do you, do you think they can do the same as what Napoli did because essentially over those two legs Napoli wiped the floor with them in essence yeah I mean Lazio are not are not on a level with Napoli and we saw that at the end of last season even when Lazio were on a real run and you felt like for a while maybe they could 
crashed the Champions League positions. It seemed like when it, when push came to shove and it got down to it, the the gulf between them and and the top three was still was still exposed. And you know, unfortunately, since then, you could say they've they've not um, necessarily taken a step forward in the summer. I think losing Wesley Holt is not to be underestimated. The situation with Cater um, is not great, and so they're probably a little bit weaker than they were then. So I think that they're much. I mean, you know, I expect them to be much closer to to Nice in terms of what they can offer. Also because Nice, while they were you know completely outclassed by Napoli and they won't be the last team that happens to this season, they they can also reasonably make the case that they were not at full strength. Balotelli wasn't there for the first leg. Uh, he was uh, probably not up to full speed for the second leg, although also easily distracted as Mario is sometimes. Um, Wesley Schneider had only just shown up, needs to get match fitness. So there's things there that make you think they could be a little bit better. And again, I don't I don't see Lazio as being a club on a par with Napoli. So I think that the gap between those two teams is not necessarily going to be a huge one. I think Lazio are a team who I would worry a little bit about their level of focus on this competition because I think they may well be viewing the, the, the league as a more important competition, especially with the fourth Champions League place coming back this year. Although, honestly, with the competition they're up against domestically, I would say that this competition is probably a better shot for them of, of getting into the Champions League. So they're also just not as deep a squad as some of the other Italian sides. They're not as deep as Milan. They're not as deep as Juventus. They're not as deep as Roma or even Napoli. You know, Napoli are deceptively deep now and you look at the options they've got in midfield with Alan and Zielinski and Jorginho and there's definitely more options for rotating there which I don't necessarily see at Lazio at the moment. Paolo, I wanted to get your opinion on VAR because it's caused a bit of controversy. Lots of funny memes as well with the referees watching movies and talk shows on the VAR screen that the, the internet has managed to make. And yeah, I think you tweeted, uh, I can't remember, I think it was the Inter-Fiorentina game where, uh, where there was I think a two minute delay in t- when the VAR decision was getting made and stuff. And obviously people who maybe don't know, you actually follow American sports where they have kind of, not VAR, but they have the referees making decisions, looking at video replays and stuff like that. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on how you think it's been implemented, if you think it'll be a success, and are you kind of for or against it? I'm generally I'm generally for anything that helps referees, and so I'm, I'm and, and helps us get to better decisions. And overall, on the first weekend, while not everything was perfect, we got more correct decisions. My main gripe with with it at the moment is uh, simply around the implementation of it, and I think that the Fiorentina Inter game was a prime example where. All right, you see the referee gesture and give the sort of box symbol that, that it's going to that the to the review system. But I think there needs to be more communication of what's actually happening. I think if you're a fan in the stand and even fan watching on TV, if the commentators aren't clear, you don't necessarily know what's being reviewed. You don't know what the process is yet for that being reviewed. And you don't know why the referee is doing anything or what's happening while you're standing there. And the players looked a bit bemused as well. I felt like they're sort of standing there waiting to waiting to hear anything. And I, I just sort of feel like some form of out loud communication with fans would be helpful here. And you look at, uh, say, the NFL, where you have the referee is mic'd up and he will just come to the middle of the field and he'll say, this is what's under review. Now, in the NFL, they'll also show the replays on the big screen. So fans are going to get their own view, which is something that doesn't happen in football. And I think probably with good reason. With these situations with VAR, they're only supposed to be correcting clear-cut things. And so if you're showing replays of something that still is subjective but feels very subjectively one way or the other to the home crowd, you you risk a different reaction. Hmm. But I think some sort of communication there is, is one option. And I think the other option... Um, you look at 
something more like what rugby union what happens where you're not having it sort of addressed to the crowd the referee isn't speaking to the crowd but what you are hearing is the referee's conversation with the person in the review booth and i think that's helpful as well i think just knowing that this conversation is happening and having some insight into what the conversation is about it's all good it's all stuff that will just make it a little bit less confusing for people so i'm not i'm not, I'm not saying that it has to be exactly one of those solutions but i think something along either of those sets of lines to me would be a step in a good direction because it, it should you know the thing which is missing for me at the moment is that it's it's letting people who are watching actually get it um, because otherwise it's just an awkward pause and it's disruptive well there we go everybody paulo thank you very much an absolute pleasure anytime Dov, anytime there we go everybody like i said at the start make sure you do follow us on twitter um, and obviously on facebook as well and then get on to the Patreon account which is uh, patreon.com forward slash football. and if you can give anything please do you, you also depending on if, uh, your, your size of donation you can get a pen or a sticker or a lovely Roberto Baggio mug to drink your coffee out of so there you go you can't get better than that so until next week there is nothing else left for me to say apart from Arrivederci Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 